When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Neil Preston and you're listening to Pantheon Podcasts. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Hello once again, Martin Popoff back for another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcasts. We are part of the vast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms anywhere you go to listen to your podcast. All right. Um, this episode is uh, episode 98. Uh, I'm calling this Cusp Albums. Um, I had a, uh, I, I might have mentioned, I think it was last episode, maybe the previous episode, this idea of sweet spot albums, which I equate to the idea of Cusp Albums as well. This is an episode I've always wanted to do. It's a concept I, I always kind of thought of, and there were a few examples, but as I was preparing for this episode, I realized shockingly that I really don't think there are a lot of examples of this. Um, what what I'm talking about specifically here is um, I will equate the idea of cusp albums, albums on the cusp, uh, with this sweet spot idea. I know we had we had a paired albums idea recently, um, but this is this is a little bit um, more about not um, not albums that uh, you think are just that perfect album by a band but albums that are um a uh that mark a transition point okay um but uh very specifically these are albums that i think mark a transition point from something earlier that is exciting and good about a band and something later that is exciting and good about a band so these aren't albums that might be a transition point between something that is you know maybe maybe they're old style and it was kind of not great and uh, and they're moving into a new style a perfect example of that i think is someone like um like Saxon on Wheels of Steel. I think Wheels of Steel still has some of those elements of the dated 70, uh, you know, remember when they used to be called Son of a Bitch, that whole, uh, they're coming up through their previous bands. Biff was in a prog band. Um, so they put out that first album, the self-titled, which is which is not great. And I think some of those elements are still on Wheels, Wheels of Steel. So it is a cusp album. It's moving towards their other sound, um, the celebrated sound of... Um, 
you know, strong arm of the law and uh, and denim and leather. Um, but um, it doesn't qualify quite for what I'm talking about here because um, what I like about these cusp albums and what I'm going to argue is that um, they they actually do hit a sweet spot in terms of. Um, this is this is the best of both worlds from these bands. There's there's an excitement of of uh, of what they did earlier, their rootsy sound, perhaps um, mixed with uh, you know. In most of these cases, let me see if it is in all these cases. Yes, I think it is in all these cases. We can say um, what they move towards, what they move from, is not the same thing in all these cases. But what they move towards is kind of the same in all cases, and that's this idea of um, a more accomplished, commercial, accessible version of themselves. Let's put it that way. All right. Um, so that's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of detail in the analysis. Um, let's, let's see how these, uh, five examples line up and, uh, and how they have, uh, you know, their own subtle twist on this whole idea. Um, let's start with our first track. This is Husker Do with Celebrated Summer. All right. I love Husker Du. I've always loved Husker Du or Husker Du or whatever. Remember, it comes from a Swedish uh, Swedish board game, I suppose. Um, so this is from their New Day Rising album, January 1985. So they had started out with, uh, with well, they, they it's a little messy the way they start out, but there's Everything Falls Apart. Talk about messy. Uh, then there's this double album, Zen Arcade. Um, I've gotten heck for calling that, um, you know, somewhat unlistenable. It is definitely an older, even more buzzsaw sound than, uh, than they would get later on. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I look at the terrain across those four sides and, and I find it uh, hard to digest where, um, not warehouse, sorry, new, new day rising. Um, one of the, the, so the interesting thing about new day rising that I've always thought when I've thought of this idea of cusp albums, um, this is one that's always firmly in the top of my head. The idea here is that it contains that chaos and excitement and punk rock, uh, anarchy, and, uh, and distortion, and even surprise that you don't know what they're going to do. Um, of the old days, um, of this magical sort of uh, explosive situation that was Husker Du, but um, you start hearing uh, a little bit more of that melodicism, that charm, that great songwriting. You definitely hear it on Celebrated Summer, which is probably the most celebrated song on this album. Um, you hear it on New Day Rising, although that's still pretty punk rock, but it's almost a little punk rock stadium rock. Uh, you hear it on Girl Who Lives on Heaven Hill. You get the variety of vocalists as well. Books about UFOs, um, 59 Times the Pain, um, maybe a little more traditional. Um, but the point is, is that uh, I think this album for most Husker Du fans is that sweet spot where... Um, where you've got the best of both worlds in terms of um, the uh, the dangerous nature of Husker Du, uh, combined with 
what's going to come next. So what comes next is you've got uh, Flip Your Wig, September 85. Uh, you've got Candy Apple Grey and you've got Warehouse Songs and Stories. They close out with a second double album. And essentially, I mean, I personally find all three of those albums very similar. They're the more accessible version of uh, of Husker Du. And I, I suppose maybe Candy Apple Grey puts it together the best. And, you know, frankly, uh, so here's the thing. As as a deep Husker Du fan, um, you know, I think if you took a big poll, this, this album would come out first. I've never done that. Um, but... Here's the thing. I would probably say that my favorite album would be probably Candy Apple Grey. Flip Your Wig would be pretty high. Warehouse would be pretty high. But it almost feels uncool to pick either of those over uh, over New Day Rising. Um, so that's kind of the interesting thing about this being a cusp album. It is, um, in terms of the philosophy and the psyche and the personality makeup of the band, uh, you just feel they were a cooler band on New Day Rising. But, you know, were they a better band? Not sure. It's still a pretty ragged album. It's got that same sort of uh, excitement that you felt from, uh, you know, like the Soundgarden, uh, the, 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 first, the first EP, the first album. You didn't know what was going to happen. They're going to spend a lot of time doing something, going off on a tangent. You're just kind of along for the ride as this band just uh, is, is just pure creativity uh, on vinyl kind of thing. And I think that's what you hear on, uh, on New Day Rising. All right, let's move on. Take a listen to our second selection here, band very similar to Husker Du. Uh, this is Heart with How Can I Refuse. Right, so not quite as similar as Husker Du, but they're they're you know their their records are in the same wing of the office here, the H wing. Um, what I love about this album, uh, I love everything about this album, but here's the deal this this is a this is a little bit of a different situation, although it's though it's similar as well. Um, the the main way that well it's it's different coming in and it's different going out that's that's the crazy thing about this album so this is off of passion works uh came out august 20th 1983 heart was on their last legs with this deal with epic the previous album private audition was uh, a bomb considered a bomb they don't even like it very much i love baby lestrange leading into it so 79 yeah baby lestrange then you get uh, then you get um, Private audition, audition, and then you get this Passion Works album. Passion Works, one word. Um, so what a great song. This How Can I Refuse, I, it just should have been an absolute smash hit. It did get to number 44 on the charts. A second song on here, Allies, uh, written by Jonathan Cain, actually, but that's the other thing. This is before the, uh, the, uh, the um, you know, the profusion of outside songwriters that made Hart and Cheap Trick and Aerosmith basically the same band after this. I, I really kind of detest the next bunch of Hart albums. So so that's part of our story here. But but yeah, one big part of the story here is that they're writing everything on here except for except for allies. Um, you know, we've got Sue Ennis in there that the you know, the friend uh helping as well. But but essentially Hart writes uh these songs. Um 
How Can I Refuse is just this big, capable, really magnetic and charming stadium rock uh, kind of rocker. Um, you've got, uh, and, and allies, I think is the last time that you get, um, this, uh, you know, more or less in-house, but feeling like a heart ballad that is really good. Um, but across this album, you get blue guitar, which is like their jukebox hero, but from a female point of view, really cool song, big, huge chorus on it. Um, Heavy Heart, again, what a chorus, one of my greatest, uh, you know, uh, vocal performances from Anne on that. Sleep Alone is a rocker, but it's, it's uh, you know, a good quality rocker rather than what we get in this sort of abused Ron Nevison period when we move into the Heart album in 1985. So uh, in, in total, this record, um, vast, uh, you know, vast departure from the early sound. So So what you get is... Well, okay, so you get a little bit of uh, those 70 ethics in here. Uh, I think a song like Together feels a little bit like that. I think Love Mistake, which is a gorgeous, you know, mellow song, has a little bit of that 70s prog, um, you know, elegant Zeppelin-esque ethic to it. But the production on this, this is a Keith Olsen uh uh, project it is uh it is really locked down in stadium rock and tight and the arrangements are kind of no bones you've got denny carmassi on there playing mostly an acoustic kit but he's got just a just a few of those syndrome fills to to warn you that uh that uh, you know new new changes are afoot with this band but i think just everything about this record uh even though it is an 80s album, a stadium rock album versus versus the previous old sound is uh, is that perfect sweet spot, that perfect cusp album between what's going to come. And in this case, it's not a great thing. Uh, and what came before. OK, so that's two things. What came before. There's a little bit of what came before with heart. But I think the main thing that this record has in terms of uh of a of a cusp feel is it's coming from a place of um of a stadium rock sound that is more like 1981 1982 1983 rather than you know the um gratuitous uh, 80s production values later so what i'm what i'm hearing on this album a little bit is to keep it female for a second i'm hearing quarter flash i'm hearing pat benatar but i'm also hearing night ranger I'm hearing, you know, the exciting early era of Rebel Yell uh, era Billy Idol. I'm hearing uh, Bon Jovi Runaway and not much else besides Runaway because I really do not like Bon Jovi and Runaway, obviously. Remember, um, it's not even the whole band on that. Uh, I'm hearing heavier John Mellencamp. I'm hearing Sammy Hager. Um, I'm hearing Donnie Iris, uh, the things you might like from Rick Springfield. I'm hearing Foreigner. So... So to me, this is this is like magic early MTV era stadium rock before uh, it got bad, and and Heart is just one of the most notorious examples of of it just getting you know the band being ruined by uh, by the corporatization of the band, you know the outside songwriters, the big producers, the big production. Um, so I just hit I I just think they hit it perfectly on this album. I'm I'm just blown away that this album was is not a multi-platinum album it didn't even certify gold which is just bizarre to me it's just to me it just is is banger after banger hit after hit on on this record the album itself did get to number 39 on the billboard charts but uh but again um I think part of that might have to do with um, they're leaving the label situation. Maybe it wasn't promoted well enough. Uh, it's certainly, you know, for, for their last album on their epic deal, they certainly turned in 
uh, an album that that could have been a diamond album. I, I swear to God. I mean, I listened to this whole record and I think there just could have been hits coming off this uh, like nobody's business. So there you go. Heart Passion Works with uh, How Can I Refuse, which is the, the first song on that record. Um, a perfect cusp record, but a cusp record between two good things that I like, this early stadium rock sound and early heart. But it's a cusp album towards something I don't like from heart, if that makes any sense. All right, uh, let's take a short break. We'll be right back. All right, back again here on History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. Um, now let's listen to a song pretty similar to Heart, and uh, but again, uh, a band with a cusp album. This is Sepultura with Slave New World. All right, so Sepultura. This is another one that I've always felt was in this idea of this uh, of this cusp album situation. Um, so this is a band that, um, again, a little bit like Husker Du, uh, comes from a place where you know I get I get kind of heck for calling them uh, unlistenable. So so they go you know go back to the Cogamelo Records uh, out of Brazil era, you know Morbid Visions, uh, moving into Schizophrenia. Um, getting on with uh, with uh, Roadrunner, um, Beneath the Remains happens. Uh, not a lot of change. They're still pretty pretty raw and strange and uh, and you know um, distorted. And uh, one funny thing about early Sepultura that I that I find charming and it, and it does come into the cusp albums I think as well is this idea of. Um, of turning corners very jaggedly. They they get on something, they stick on it for a few more bars than you really think they should, and then they switch directions into something else, and then they're stuck on that for a while. So it's almost like a, like a cruise ship turning. Not exactly. I guess a cruise ship turns slowly in an arc. So so more like these... Um, it, it's, it's more like geometric, I suppose. Um, so that's one of the interesting things about Sepulchre. But okay, so this is a, this is a song from uh, Chaos A.D., uh, Chaos AD came out October 19th, 1993. Believe it or not, it went gold. That blows my mind that this is a gold record. Um, and you know, I, I could have picked, I could have picked a rise. Um, a rise comes out April 2nd, 1991, uh, as, as the cusp album as well. I mean, I suppose it depends on how, um, how absolutely heavy metal and extreme and death metal you are. I mean, I, I, I definitely remember that a lot of people thought Arise was, uh, was moving towards a commerciality. Um, but you know, that's a Scott Burns production. Um, Chaos AD, I think is really the one that makes the move. Um, and, and it's a beautiful move. I love it. I love this album to death. Uh, it's produced by Andy Wallace. Um, you know, people started using terms like groove metal, whatever that means. Right. I mean, but that happened to come up, uh, really, uh, in, and, and new metal, uh, although this is a little early for new metal, but I think I think uh, one good reason to to maybe say that there's some validity to this groove metal idea is that Igor's drumming is very swirling and almost world musicy on on this record. 
Um, so he really, um, he really kind of uh, changes the complexion of the band. You know, obviously Max is the leader of the band, um, but um, yeah, I, I think, I think you, you get from, uh, from the undercarriage, from the architecture, uh, what Igor is doing on here is, uh, you know, it really makes your, it, it pricks up your ears and you take notice. Uh, but the reason this is such a cusp album is because um, it does move towards. Uh, something that is even more in this direction, and that's Roots. And then the debate was was on big time about Roots. Is uh, was that record a bridge too far? Is it is it too world music? Is there too much percussion and um, you know uh, ear candy and and doodads on it and sound effects? Is it too groovy? Is it too slow? Um, so so um, definitely Chaos AD. Uh, I've always had this in mind that it, it that it is one of these records that uh, that that fits you know perfectly between Arise and Roots, uh, and 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 forms a trajectory from you know a quote unquote unlistenable sound uh, towards something that is uh, is more commercial and more acceptable. So that's one I always had in mind. Um, again, I I want to stress the point like when I was putting together this episode, I realized. Um, most bands in the world do not have anything like this. Um, you know, in this realm, um, I, I just made a few notes that, to, you know, bands to talk about that are that are in a similar world in this similar weird time, you know, 93, 94, 95. Um, does Pantera have a cusp album? No. I mean, they just they just change on a dime um, from, you know, uh, not not to make a pun, but on a dime uh, when they get their Atlantic years uh, happening. Um with uh with Cowboys from Hell and then and then they essentially have a, a similar sound throughout that short short and great run uh, at that point when they go from the indie years to that so I, I don't feel it there Napalm Death is an interesting one I I, I figure around diatribes um, they definitely have this idea of um of a, of a very harsh and extreme sound early on but then they 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 kind of settle into something that has that bit of grooviness to it a little more proggy the productions get better I don't know. Uh, I don't know which record, you know, exactly you would pick uh, as uh, as sort of a, a switchover point. But diatribes always struck me as something uh, that that felt like the you know these these two circles bisecting between the old sound and the new sound. I don't know. Tell me if I'm wrong on that. Cathedral's a funny one as well. Um, you know, Cathedral also be, because you know Cathedral's got that that tie over with Napalm, um, but you know they had certainly a, a much more extreme sound, and then it got a little more doom and stoner metal and better productions as uh, as time went on. Did that happen at the EP? Remember that sort of famous times when these <laughs> these bands were getting a little bit of a Sony deal? Um, but uh, I don't know. So so is, is there one record that that has that? See what why I think this is a concept that's different from uh uh different from albums being paired or your favorite album or any any of those things that you might consider a cusp is i i, I kind of like this to mean that there were there were one two three albums before and a sound that was gradually changing and then there's this nice crossover point between the new and the old um you know machine head never had this really um they 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 came fully formed there was a lot of excitement around their debut album 1994 and then the second album was sort of similar and then they changed somewhat but you know when they changed they were kind of leaving this great sound and then moving to something else so you so you could say that was happening um so yeah so there's sepultura um 
let's move on to our fourth selection. Uh, take a listen to this. Uh, this is The Replacements with the Bastards of Young. All right, so again, same sort of situation. I know this is our second Minneapolis band, um, but I won't have a third because I don't think Soul Asylum particularly has this. I mean, you could you could look at uh, the change from the the uh, the technical sort of feel of Hang Time through uh, you know um, the horse they rode in on, and then and then on, uh, and then they become a little more, I guess, Bruce Springsteenish or whatever, um, a little you know easy on the ears. But I don't think there's one album that is one of those. Replacements definitely is one of these that I always felt had this idea. Um, so this is from Tim. They go from the sort of ragged punk sound of Sorry Ma Forgot to Take Out the Trash. Hootenanny and Let It Be I always look at as a pair of just uh, experimenting and putting whatever on and badly recorded and really shambling. But Tim really feels like the record where they get it together. Uh, it's a little more ambitious. It's got most of their classics. I think, again, it's the album that fans uh, would appreciate as their greatest album. And, and that's what I got to say a little bit with some of these cusp albums. Not every one, but I think with the Sepultura and I think with the Husker Du and I think now with the Replacements, um, you know, if you're a cool fan of these bands, uh, these are the records that you would pick as as the greatest ones. Uh, although with Sepultura, your cool factor maybe goes up if you pick a rise, right? Um but I think Tim is the perfect example. Uh, you know, they're on Sire. This is uh, September 18th, 85. It's just got a lot to really like on it. And it's the transition point uh, towards Please to Meet Me, which is a similar album to Tim. It's it's as kind of rock and roll and semi-heavy. Um, but then they they end up with uh, with two albums that are quite quite lush and acoustic and well recorded, and that would be "Don't Tell a Soul" from '89, and then uh, "All Shook Down" from 1990. So those are kind of a pair, uh, and Tim and Please to Meet Me are kind of a pair. But the great thing about Tim again is this idea that. It's got all that lovable drunkenness you like of the of of the replacements, but it also has them going to work. So maybe they're maybe uh they're they're um they're drunk, but they're not they're not sloppy drunk. They're drunk, but they're not hungover. Um, they're just kind of like in that perfect spot. Maybe maybe Tim is T Tim is the replacement record on uh, on three to four beers, uh, which is which is kind of what you want out of the replacements. You don't want any more than that, and then you don't you don't want the uh, the the sober sound of the of the late era when when they were all that right. They were they were considered uh, you know the, the the greatest songwriters of the generation and all that kind of thing, right? Um, so this is before the hype sets in too, which is also kind of important. This is the exciting golden moment magic time for the replacements and, and that's the tim album so uh and yeah what an anthem um the bastards of young is really cool you know kind of a stonesy thing going on with them a little bit of the clash um but just um just to, you know what what a magical magical time uh you know that that tim era into please to meet me uh for this band but but tim is definitely the one that feels like uh like it's getting serious it, it, it's time to now you know state our legacy uh and and start delivering the goods so there you go all right 
Our fifth example here uh, on episode 98, Cusp Albums. This is one I've always felt uh, was this way. Take a listen to this. This is Judas Priest with Burning Up. You dish the hot stuff up, but you keep me waiting. So I'll play it dirty till your body is breaking. We've got to make love. The time is right. We've got to make love tonight. All right. So what I love about this idea, uh, you know, I've always considered this a cusp album. This is why it's my favorite Judas Priest album. So again, um, the, the neat thing about this concept is, is there's, there's an excitement of two worlds clashing in there and there may be two good worlds. So with Judas Priest, I think on Killing Machine slash Hellbent for Leather, you get a lot of that, um, that sweet science, that uh, that uh, note density of riffs, the complication of the uh, the previous trio of albums, uh, but certainly the previous two albums, Sin After Sin and Stained Class. You've got the greatest picture of Robert Plant of all time, Robert Plant, uh, Rob uh, Rob Halford, the greatest picture of Rob Halford of all time in the drunken pirate shot on the back cover. Amazing, amazing shot, uh, and that just sums up this album perfectly. Um, because I think this album is pretty, uh, pretty uh, carnal and grinding and passionate. Um, so you, so you get you get the science, and then you also get the idea of boy, are these great songs that um, you know? Arguably, um, you know, I'm not the one to argue it, but you know, they, you know, on British Steel, they apparently move into their great songwriting stage, and and you know, Grinder um, and Metal Gods, I feel, are definitely in that direction. They hit you right between the eyes with the metal. Those are the two best songs in that album, I think. Um, but Again, I think this is the perfect transition album between uh, between the academic Judas Priest and the uh, accessible Judas Priest. And the other great thing about this album is that I think it also is the best of both worlds in terms of production. So you get you get an accessible production, but by that I mean it it does have enough bass and bottom end. It's just got a good accessible mix, whereas the previous two albums were pretty thin and high. Um, and frantic, I'd say. I wouldn't say screechy. I would say frantic is is the way I would uh, describe them. So yeah, uh, I think I think two worlds uh, cross over perfectly with uh, the Killing Machine slash Hellbent for Leather album, and uh, and I I think you get perfection in a Judas Priest album, and, and by far it's my favorite. You know, with things like Rock Forever and and this song Burning Up, I think is one of the great underrated songs on here. Delivering the Goods is amazing. Hellbent for Leather is a famous song that's that's quite amazing. Um, but yeah, uh, Running Wild, I mean, one one of the great Priest songs of all time. Um, so there you go. Um, you know, I, this has already been a pretty long episode. Well, let me mention a couple other things. So, so again, um, Saxon, we talked about Motorhead does not have a cusp album. I'm just mentioning these because they they feel in the spirit of Priest. Maiden, I don't think has a cusp album. They made they made basically uh, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four completely uh, uh, four albums that are completely different from each other, and then they made the same album 
for the rest of their career all over again. I, I think they established their sound on Peace of Mind, which is my favorite pre, uh, uh, Maiden album. And then uh, after that, uh, everything was an iteration of Peace of Mind uh, throughout the entire rest of the career. I don't think that's uh, necessarily a bad thing. I think they did some great things with it because what a great sound to land on, on Peace of Mind. But I don't think they had any any kind of crossing of two uh, of two circles um be- between a sound and and like i say same with motorhead motorhead reminds me a little bit of the saxon situation uh except except saxon had a wheels of steel which is a crossing between two circles somewhat um but from from a not great sound motorhead essentially had a not great sound on the day then they arrived fully formed on overkill and from then on in um no i i i I don't feel that there's anything that's a, that's kind of a crossover thing. Um, so there you go. Uh, if you liked this show and, uh, and want to keep uh, supporting future episodes, there is Kofi.com. I'm doing that instead of any kind of other thing like Patreon or whatever. Um, there's a red support button there. There's like this $3 thing. Um, you know, sometimes people are doubling and tripling or whatever, but it's essentially this nice, simple thing uh, where you can uh, buy me a coffee or a pint. And on that front, I want to thank Joe Becht, uh, Andy at Black Sugar Transmission. Again, Andy's the guy who uh, who spiffed off and uh, updated our, uh, our Contrarians theme music, our, our video show, The Contrarians, so you can hear that on the latest episodes. We just put a new one up on the Ramones. It's doing pretty good. Um, Bruce Campbell, David Fisher, Kevin Latham, uh, Augustin Garcia de Paredes. Uh, he's also the, um, what do you call it? Moderator? Uh, moderator of the, of the Facebook page. I, I, I forget the, the name now, but he's, he's a uh, very capable. He does a great job there in terms of, uh, you know, uh, monitoring the, um, uh, the people joining the page, we're trying to actually get up to a thousand uh, subscribers to that page. I don't know, you call them subscribers, followers. Um, anyways, uh, Augustin Garcia de Paredes, um, Brian Sager, and Daniel Wagner. So thank you very much. Uh, you can go to martinpopoff.com for all your book needs. Like I said, we've also got the video show, The Contrarians. Um, so yeah, go uh, go take a listen to these Cusp albums. Let me know if you can uh, find any other ones because I had a really hard time uh, finding these. Um, there were ones I've had, like I say, for years and years and years in mind. Um, the late edition was this heart one. I thought that was an inspired choice, but the other ones, yeah, replacements was the other late one, but literally for, for, Many, many years, I've always had this idea of cusp albums, and it was always those other three, and uh, and it, it kind of astonished me a little bit that I, I couldn't find any other one. So there you go. Uh, thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 